Um, we um, are going to be answering some questions today that you guys submitted to us last weekend. I think we got about 65 or somewhere between 65, 70 questions about marriage. And all I can say about the questions you sent in is, holy cow. Wow. Wow. Um, you, you, really, um, you really ask good questions. You ask hard questions. And we're going to answer every single one of them. Now, about two-thirds of them will be, I have no idea. But we're going to answer. No, that's not true. Uh, we're going we're gonna to answer every single question. And as a matter of fact, today we're going to deal with some of the toughest ones today. We're going to find out who loves the Word of God today. Uh, before we do get into that, though, um, I just want to mention that if you've signed up for dinner with the staff, that is tonight at 5 o'clock. If you missed this one, uh, you can sign up and get in on the next Dinner with the Staff, which is in July. Dinner with the Staff is an evening where we take care of your kids, we take care of you. A free meal gives you a chi uh, chance to kind of get behind the scenes and see what this church is all about. You can ask any question you want to ask. We'll make a presentation. Then afterwards, the whole staff will hang around. You can take a tour of the campus. Um, so if you didn't get, on, get in on this dinner with the staff, which it's too late to get in now, but you can still get in on the one in July. Let me also mention Monday night, May 14. That's one week from tomorrow. One week from tomorrow, Monday night, May 14. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're having a night of worship and prayer here at the church. Now, how many of you came to the last night of worship and prayer? So you know how awesome it was. And so we're just going to do it again, and God's going to move and do some great work in our midst, and we're going to pray for people, and uh, we're going to worship him, and there's not going to be any preaching, teaching. Uh, it's just going to be a night of worship and adoration and prayer. So we hope you'll come. starts at 6.30 on May 14th. The wonderful thing about that is you can come and go. If you, if you want to get here at 7.30, you can get here at 7.30. We're just going to be here praising God. Uh, if you go here at 6.30, you need to leave at 6.45. That's fine, too. Just come by and worship with us uh, on May 14th. One more thing. After this service, guys, we need to set up the back overflow with tables for dinner with the staff tonight. So, guys, uh, you men of God who can stay and help us for about 15 minutes after church and get that back set up for dinner with the staff tonight, that would be greatly, greatly appreciated. You know what I want to do? I want to just mess with the media people just a little bit. So it's fun. They yep, love that. It all, they love it. They love it. Uh, there, is a, there is a question. It's a dual question, isn't it? The submission question. Let's do that one first. Okay. And uh, if you'll look on there, guys, on the slides, you'll see a dual question. Uh, I think it's the fourth um, slide. Move, move right through. Move to the next one. Move to the next one. That's, That's it, it right there. Let, let's do that one first. Scott, if you'll just take that. Sure. What's the fine line between leading, controlling as a godly husband, and what's the fine line between submission and being walked over as a godly wife? Uh, let me just say that um, a godly man will lead humbly. A godly man will lead sacrificially. Um, a godly man will lead according to the word of God. And if you, uh, you're probably very familiar, uh, some of you, with Ephesians chapter 5. Um, uh, Paul addresses that very clearly as to what it is that uh, a husband's and a wife's responsibility is in the area of leading and submission. Uh, God had to pick a man or a woman, one of the two, to be in a position of authority. He picked the man. He picked the man. Many men look at that and say, I'm the boss. That means I'm the boss of things. Let me just tell you, it's not as great as you think. It's, not, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a responsibility. Because here's the deal. We're all going to stand before God one day and be held accountable for what we did in this life, right, and how we brought glory to him uh, while we were here. But men, if you have a wife, you're going to be asked, what did you do with the gift that I gave you? What did you do with the gift that I gave you for a wife? How did you nurture her? How did you lead her? How were you, um, how were you proactive in the way that you led your family? Did you do everything that you could to develop her in the area of her spiritual gifts? 
because men, that's your responsibility. If I can butt in real quick, yeah. Scott. Is your wife a better Christian because she married you? Is your husband a better Christian because he married you? Or, or has the husband, have you been more of a, a hindrance to her development as a Christian? Or have you been more of a holdback to his development as a Christian? Listen, I know both situations where the guy wants to move forward with, with God, the woman doesn't want to. I know the situation where the, the, the woman wants to move forward with God and the man doesn't want to. Your spouse ought to be a better Christian because you're their husband, you're their wife. So Absolutely. Ask yourself that. that's, that's a really, really good point. Uh, and let me just touch really quickly. You know, you can be, you can be that guy who is uh, overly controlling. You can take it too far. Uh, you can take it the other direction, too. You can be passive. You can be passive, and you can be um, kind of uh, in, a, in a position where you're just, and, and it may have to do with your wife and her behavior. She may have, because you're a passive person, she may rise up and feel the need to take control of the, of the relationship. As a matter of fact, in Genesis, I was really excited when I heard this uh, scripture, but uh, then I came to realize what it really meant. Uh, you know, one of, the, one of the results of the fall, God says to Eve, your desire will be for your husband. And I was like, yeah, nice. Now, what that really means is, women, your desire is to undermine or usurp or overthrow the authority that God has given to your husband. And, it, and it, exactly, it's in your nature because of the fall. And so if you're in that position, ladies, where you've kind of taken a position of, of control in the relationship, you, you may be a part of the reason that your husband is backing down. Maybe he had a, maybe that was his role model when he was growing up. Maybe that's what his dad showed him. You know, they had a really domineering mom, and she just led the way, and so that's what he was modeled. And the other way can be true as well. You know, maybe the dad was overly controlling, and that's what the child, the, the man had modeled to him, and so that's all he knows. Let me just tell you, you don't have to live that way. You can be set free of that generational curse. Because I'm telling you, an overly controlling man, an overbearing man, a man who's got to have his iron fist in control of everything and every one of his life is a terrible way to live. But a man who's completely passive and will not lead and will not make decisions is not a good way to live either. And husbands, we know that leadership is hard. God knows that leadership is hard. That's why a couple of the places where he mentions, where he speaks directly to the husbands about leading, first he speaks to the wives because he knows how hard it is to lead a wife who will not submit. So ladies, well first husbands, have a mission worth your wife's submission. Because really, that's the definition of submission, coming up under your husband's mission. So husbands, if you get that good godly mission, it's a whole heck of a lot easier for us wives to come up under that. And then my second favorite definition of submission is ducking so that God can hit your husband with a two-by-four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because ladies, if we're submitting first to our God, which is what we're called to do first, right? Those are our priorities. First God, then husband, then kids, and all that. So we submit to God, and then we submit to our husbands. I mean, like Scott said, at the end of time, he's going to have to explain to God all the decisions he made and we submitted to. And ladies, God does not call us to follow our husbands into sin. He, he calls us to submit to God first and then our husbands. And we'll answer these questions a whole lot more in depth online. Um, but I would encourage you to, to take those steps. And one of my, trust me, when I was, gathering your when I was gathering my testimony, I was not, there was no way I was going to submit to God. And I certainly was not going to submit to this man. But God got a hold of my heart. Because when you're not submitting to God and you're not submitting to your husband, you are carrying a mantle. You are carrying responsibility that you are not designed to carry. And that is exhausting. That is stressful. Submission is coming up under the mission of your husband, which is hopefully a godly one. And it's also being under that protection of God and under the protection of your husband. And there's power in that submission. Stuff, yeah. go ahead. Uh, well, I would just say to guys, um, maybe you don't have a mission. 
that's uh, worthy of submission. And I certainly, when you started submitting to the will of God for you and uh, doing what God has designed you to do as a, as a wife and a, and a, and a woman, uh, I did not have a, a, a mission worthy of submission. And so uh, Sherry treated me as though I did. She built me up with words of affirmation and gave me honor and respect when I didn't de deserve it. And I will tell you, uh, <clears throat> I just mentioned the cork principle and then we'll, we'll move on. If you've got a, a cork and it's laying in the bottom of a glass, it's just laying there, right? But if you start pouring water into the glass, what happens to the cork? It floats, cork floats, okay? The cork will rise to whatever level you pour into the glass. So ladies, if you don't feel like your husband is leading, why don't you try pouring into his glass and building him up and affirming him, even though he may not seem to deserve it? Okay. Um, I just did some math in my head. I think there are 168 hours in a week. Is that right? Mm -hmm. 168. Thank you. <laughs> um, you spend about two hours, um, if you just come to church here, if you're not a volunteer, you just come. You spend about two, three hours a week here. If you come to two services, Wednesday, Sunday, uh, Thursday, Saturday, whenever we have church. So let's say you spend three hours a week in church. Let's say you spend a couple more hours a week, hopefully, or more in personal prayer and Bible study. That's a total of about five hours. Let's give you the benefit of the doubt and say that you spend eight hours a week doing spiritual things, hearing from God, reading his word, and, and that's really stretching it for some people. That means 160 hours of your life is just out there in that world. So 160 hours of your life, you are, you are being saturated with the message of the world system. And the world system says you don't submit to anybody. And the world system says you fight for your rights. And the world system says you don't let anybody run over you. And uh, the world system, um, uh, especially to women, wants you to think that when we talk about the very words of the Bible that say submission, that we're talking about you being some little weak person in the background that if we want to hear something out of you, we'll let you know. And I've got to tell you something. Some Christians have misinterpreted that passage, and that is how they treat their wife, and it's a sin. Because the Bible said that you're to love your wife as Christ loved the church. And what did Christ do for the church? He died for the church. And, and Jesus is my, I'm part of the bride. He's, my, he's the groom. He has never, uh, Jesus has never uh, tried to control me in the sense of uh, I'm some puppet on a string. God, he leads me. He is that servant leader. And he said for you to lead your wife like that. Be an example to her. You know what I have found in my ministry? And I've been doing this a long time. I've been a, I've been a minister since I was 17. I'm 55 years old. I have never seen that I can think of right now sitting here a woman who would not joyfully submit and follow a servant leader husband who follows the model of Jesus. I've never seen a woman who didn't joyfully do that. And, and uh, uh, so guys, you've got to rise up. You're the spiritual leader in your house. Your wife is not supposed to be the spiritual leader. Now, I will tell you that men, because they have not, they've abdicated their responsibility in that area, some women have had to raise up, rise up and, and be the one who prays for the children and be the one who prays for the family. And, and we understand that. But I want to tell you, that's not God's ideal. You, sir, God has called you to be a pastor in your home, a priest in your home, and a prophet in your home. And a pastor is somebody who puts his finger on the spiritual pulse of his church. A good pastor knows the spiritual climate and environment of his church. And you men are to know the spiritual environment of your house. And you're to be a pastor in that way. You need to know where your kids are with God. You need to know where your spouse is with God. You need to pray for them. As a matter of fact, what if we spent the time praying for our spouse that we spend the time criticizing them and arguing with them? What if we spent that same time, thank both of you, what if we spent that same time 
talking to God about what we were frustrated with in our spouse? What if we spent that time in prayer? Can I tell you something? You're, you're arguing and fussing and nagging at your spouse will not do nearly as much as God dealing with them on their drive to work. God dealing with them when they lay down their head at night and all of the sound is gone and the TV's off and they're laying there trying to go to sleep. God can deal with the man. He can deal with the woman. Pray for your spouse. We have books out there in the bookstore. I think there are some, I know there used to be, about how to pray for your husband, how to pray for your wife. And, and so stop fighting against each other and start praying for each other. I, pro I give you a 100% guarantee that if you'll do that, it'll turn things around in your marriage. So, so we wanted to talk about submission and what that means. And, and look, we may not fully answer, and you may still have questions uh, when we finish. I can't imagine why they would. I mean, we're so awesome. But uh, if you do, send follow-up. Send an email. Say, Pastor, you said I didn't get that. What was that? And I didn't really get the full thought. And we'll respond to you. We'll answer you. We do not want to be a staff that avoids the hard questions. And you're obviously a church that does not avoid asking them because you did ask them. And uh, so, so we wanted to start off with the one about submission. Yeah, let me just say you talked about resources. We put this together and we showed this to you last weekend. We handed them out. It's still available out at the Connect Center. There's a whole list of resources on marriage, men, women, hope for recovery, blended families, pretty much the whole gamut. And we'll put that list online as well. So be sure to pick that up. Oh, yeah, before we get three-quarters of the way through the service, let me just say welcome to the folks who are watching online. We love our online uh, congregation because that's really what it is. We've probably got 50 to 100 people every Sunday each service that are watching online, so that's a whole other uh, congregation there, and we're, we're just glad that you're there. They get to turn me off anytime they want to. Um, I, I want it to be more conversational, uh, than me just reading. I have all the documentation, I have all the scripture references, but I want to just be conversational a little bit more uh, in, the, in this time. As a matter of fact, we've done it different all four services. Every single time we've, we've um, uh, and if we found out people didn't like it, we just changed and said what they liked in the next, no, we did not. Um, <laughs> We're like uh, the radio station, WMPM, we make people mad. Yeah, right? that, that's our yeah. station right there. Um, <laughs> I, I want to I talk to you about uh, when is it okay to separate, when is it okay to divorce, and when is it okay to remarry. Anybody interested in that? Um, the Bible talks about two things, two, um, um, th two things that can happen in a marriage that can uh, allow you to separate, eventually even allow you to divorce. And those things are um, one of the spouses in the marriage committing adultery. Um, out, of course, you know, going outside of the marriage, having an uh, improper romantic relationship with, um, and these days you used to say the opposite sex. Now you can have an adulterous affair with the same sex, um, which would create two sins. Uh, so when that happens uh, and, there is, and there is enough time given to the healing of that marriage but that person who has gone outside the marriage and is engaging in this sinful activity when they will not uh, seek help, when they will not receive help the Bible calls it the hardness of the heart, when the heart is hard and uh, there, there's no certain length of time that is but I want to tell you this that we are giving up on marriage too quick. We're giving up on marriage too quick. Amen. And I know that's hard to say amen to because we got it right up in here today, sitting in the house. Can I preach? Amen. I'm going to. Um, you, we're, we're, I'm, I'm dealing with issues as a pastor of people who tell me they are Christians who throw a marriage away like a piece of trash and are already dating somebody in just a month or two after they have separated. Listen to me. That's adultery. That's adultery. You say, but we both love Jesus and I couldn't talk to my wife and I can talk to him or I can talk to her and we have Bible study and we pray and intercede. 
I don't care. You're living in sin. You can cover it with all kind of spiritual talk and spiritual gobbledygook, and you can cover it with all kind of, we have Bible study and all that kind of stuff, but I'm telling you something right now. If you're separated from your spouse and you have not gone and gotten a divorce, uh, and, and that has to be done correctly as well, that has to be done biblically, you, you, can't even, you can't even, according to the scripture, go, well, I finally got my divorce, so boy, I can start dating today. That's a wrong spirit, too. That's a wrong attitude, too. We're throwing marriage away too quickly. Um, so so when, when there's abandonment, the Bible talks about abandonment, and we're going to put all this on the website. We don't have time to go into all those details today, but those are the two uh, areas that Jesus, the Word of God, allows for there to be separation that could lead to divorce. But again, it is after the marriage has been fought for. It, if, it is after there has been counseling. These couples who, who throw a marriage in the trash don't even call the office here. I just hear about it through the grapevine that they're separated and they're going on their way, won't even come in. They tell me they're Christians. They tell me they're followers of Jesus Christ and will not sit down in a room with one of the staff members of this church for a counseling session because they've already made up their mind. If I don't sit, if I don't sit here today, I usually stand here. So if I don't sit here, I'll stand. If, you, if I stand, you're in trouble. Um, <laughs> If I don't sit here today as the senior pastor of this church and tell you that's wrong, God's going to take his hand off this church. And I want his hand on this church. And I'm not going to sit here or stand here. I'm not even going to lay here and tell you what you want to hear. I'm going to tell you what's in the Word of God. And the Word of God says you don't get to separate when you want to. You don't get to divorce when you want to. You say, well, he didn't, he didn't, she didn't, they didn't. Well, you need to come in and let's walk through the word of God. Let's get two people right with God. And when you get two people right with God and they're following the word of God, it won't end in divorce. It will not. Now, I want to talk to the divorced people who are here. You are not damaged goods. You are not second-class Christians. You say, I got to tell you, Pastor, I mean, you, you just told us in the Word of God that the only way you can get a divorce is after abandonment or adultery. And I got to tell you, Pastor, uh, not only was that not the reason I left my first spouse and got a divorce, but I didn't give it any time. We didn't go to counseling. So, Pastor, I, my divorce was wrong. You might be here today and say, I've had two divorces that I did wrong. Three divorces I did wrong. And, and pastor, since I divor my divorce was wrong, then certainly my remarriage was wrong. You're exactly right. Now listen. You're not going to hear this in many churches, and even if they believe it, a lot of times they won't stand up here and say it. Because they want to keep you in that church because they need your money. I'm going to stand up here and tell you that if you want to be free, because that's my job. My job is to preach the Word of God because the Word of God doesn't bind a man up. The Word of God sets a man free. The Word of God sets a woman free. Now listen very carefully. If you're here today and you're divorced, bring that if it was a wrong divorce if it was a, which would make it a wrong remarriage then bring that to God and say God I'm, I, I was wrong I was wrong in how I divorced I was, so therefore my remarriage was wrong you say well but pastor if my remarriage was wrong I mean I'm married to the guy I'm married to the girl I'm married to the person that we got together wrong it was wrong how we got together let me tell you about the forgiveness of God the Bible says he makes all things new. You, you who are divorced, if it was out of some adulterous affair, and I had a lady walk up to me this morning and go, Pastor, I'm remarried, 
I'm serving God, but I want to tell you that you told the truth today. My marriage broke up wrong, and I remarried for the wrong reason. She said, but now me and my new husband have come to the Lord. We've admitted that sin. We've admitted that wrong. We have confessed that before God. He has washed that out of our life, and God is now using us mightily in his body. Amen? And so, so you say, well, I'm offended. I'm offended by that. And maybe you're here today and you're offended. I, I'm not trying to offend you. I'm just telling you what Jesus said. Is that what we want in this church? Jesus said there are two things, two events that can happen in a marriage that could eventually, over a period of time, lead to a person getting a divorce and it would not be a sin. And there are two things that a person who gets a divorce can remarry and it would not be a sin. Now, guys, I can't presume on the word of God. You say, well, aren't there other reasons you can get divorced and other reasons you can get remarried? I can't presume on the word of God. It's dangerous to presume on the word of God. I have to tell you what the word of God says, but I do know this. Sometimes you can't. You know, when you've cracked the, the shell on that egg and you've thrown it in the frying pan and you've scrambled it up, it's impossible to get it back in that shell like it was. So you bring that to God and let God recreate and let God give new life into that marriage that you're in now and he will use you greatly in this church right here. So I'm saying to my divorced and remarried people, listen to me. There's no condemnation from this church. But for your own good, and I don't even know who this is, but for your own good, if your marriage broke up wrong, if you remarried therefore wrong, you and the new spouse come before God and bring that and let him say you are forgiven. And when he says you are forgiven, the Bible says he throws that sin as far as the East is from the west into the sea of forgetfulness. He will never remember it against you again. Amen? Okay. Thank you. So uh, what we didn't define today, this time, is what adultery is. What's adultery and what's fornication? I think you touched very briefly on that. I know that used to be a you sin. Know. Is that still a sin? Um, I think in most versions of the Bible it is. But, you know, yeah. We, yeah. We're, we're modern now. I mean, we're, we've learned. We've got yeah. an education. And yeah. I've yeah. been to college and stuff. Yeah. And so the self-help section at the bookstore is, yeah. uh, you know, talks about it plenty. You know, I heard, uh, you ever heard of Perry Noble? He's a pastor of a little church called New Spring down in South Carolina. He said the self-help section in the, in the bookstore it's big and it keeps getting bigger and it stays that way because it doesn't work. Because it doesn't work. Because once this fad book goes away, another one has to take it place because that book didn't work. You know, I, I, can, I could really, if I had a bookstore, my self-help section would have one book in it. One book. That's it. So let's, let's talk about, let's talk about um, uh, what adultery is what adultery is. Adultery is when uh, a husband or a wife goes out and has a sexual relationship with another one. Or, go ahead, say that. You say it. You say it. Come on. I'm going to lead you right here. An emotional relationship. It's an affair. So okay? you're saying then, because this was a question, is there a difference in... Uh, a emotional affair and a physical affair. I mean, if a guy is uh, not paying any attention to his wife and treating her cold at home, but he's got the hots, did I say that? For a girl at the office, and because they can talk, she can talk, they, can, they just really communicate She gets well. me, she gets yeah, me. Yeah, she gets me, she understands me. And so that's not adultery, is it? Since he hasn't touched her, or is that adultery too? Yes. Yes. Oh, what is the okay. condition of your heart? What is the condition of your heart? What does Jesus say? What does Jesus say? If you look at a woman and lust after her, you've committed adultery. If you give your heart to another woman, you, you are committing adultery, Whether sir. Whether you've touched her or not. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is, that is absolutely the truth. Are Emotional you talking, by the way, are you talking on the phone to some women more than you talk to your wife? 
Are you talking on the phone texting. with some men? Are you texting women and just saying, I tell you, you looked great today, and, you know, too bad we didn't end up together? You're committing adultery. Yep. You're Facebook. committing adultery. Facebook. Well, we're just talking about work. We're just talking about work at 2 o'clock in the morning. We're just talking about work. I'm rolling rolling over away from my wife and picking up the phone and texting a woman that's not my wife at 2 o'clock in the morning. But we're just talking about work. We're just talking about work. Yeah, get over it. Get get over it. What's your problem? You're so controlling. You want to know every little thing I do. Get off me. And look, we're not not saying that Sherry said Facebook... (laughs) is a bad thing. Facebook can be used for ministry. We sure. use it for ministry all the time. It's one of the major ways that we communicate with the church. But it can also be used You can for fall evil. in a trap with it. Many have fallen in a trap. Many, many, many. You start connecting with an old high school flame and he says the things that your husband hasn't said to you in 15 you years. Watch it. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. That's an affair. Go to that husband that, that isn't saying it. Forget that guy who's hitting on you. Forget that gal who's, who's giving you the eyes. Go to your spouse and say to them, I'm telling you, if we don't do something, our marriage is falling apart. And say to your spouse, I'm going to pray for you. Will you please pray for me? And let's save our marriage. Let's go see Pastor Farrell. Let's go see Scott, Pastor Scott. And, and, and then if they say, well, I don't want to go out there and see Pastor Farrell because he knows and then he's going to see us at church and I'm not going to feel, then, then call the church and we will hook you up with somebody who can help you who doesn't go to church here. Really, there are people who don't go to church here who can help you. And we'll hook you up with them. And you can go get your counseling somewhere else. We don't care where you get help. As long as it's Bible-based Christian help, we want you to get helped and healed. But I'm telling you right now, the enemy loves it when, when, when you get into a, a marriage and it becomes routine and all of a sudden, uh, you know, the spark in there, the fire in there. Well, guess who's got to get, you guys got to get together and go, how can we rekindle the fire? The fire can be rekindled. And, and, and I'm telling you, marriage conferences reading a book about marriage together and talking about the thing. You say, I don't know what to say to him. I, I don't know what to say to her. Get a, we've got books out there. Read the book together and talk about the different things to say. You know, honey, this book says that one of my basic needs is, is this, and, and i got to tell you, I, I, I'm just I'm not feeling that from you. Really? I thought I, thought I was doing that. No, I've got to tell you, when you say this, it makes me feel this way. And, you, and all of a sudden, you guys haven't even gone to a counselor because really some marriages don't even need a counselor. You just need an adjustment. You just need to get in the Word of God. You just need to get into some good material that's going to help you bring correction. And then if it doesn't and the, and the problem's too deep and the wound's too deep, then bring it and we'll help you and we'll walk you through it together. But we want you to be helped. We want the marriages of this church not to survive, not to just make it, but thrive. We want you happy. Because when you guys are happy, um, when we come into church, the whole church is happy. Isn't that true? Matter of fact, um, when I see husbands and wives sitting in church and they kind of got their arms around each other and they're holding hands and they're looking goo-goo in each other's eyes, you're not going to get any correction from me on that. I'm going to be going hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, if you're just dating, it kind of freaks me out a little bit. But if you're, if you're married, I love, I mean, you know, show affection. And, and you say, oh, time out, Pastor. I'm not the guy who does that. Well, then you've got to learn to communicate. You've got to learn to write. A, a, guy wrote, a guy wrote a question. I think we have that slide, actually, the one that's uh, about communication. Yeah, yeah. Go, go to the it's, one where. Uh, he says something. Yeah, that's there you it. go. <laughs> How do, you, how do you strengthen your communication? I am like a stone. I do not show much emotion and don't talk about them. I'm a man. I think he's trying to say that those two are equate, that you're a stone if you're a man. But yeah. I think there are a lot of us. Please help. Yeah, and I think he's I right. I think he's right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing that I would say to that guy is, look how he wrote that question. He's an excellent communicator. So he needs to what? Right. Hey, ladies, can I ask you something? I know if he would just write you something, it, it would. T- but if he just went by the card shop and got a card and said to you, 
I don't know how to say stuff. I don't know how, but I read this card and it said, it said what I want to say to you. Ladies, would that mean something to you out there? Anybody? Even if he didn't even write the words, but he yeah. just said, yeah. it would. Yeah, and we've t- we've, I've talked about this before, this suggestion. Guys, uh, get a pack of sticky notes and write a bunch of, it doesn't have to be that, you know, you don't have to pretend like you're Bill Shakespeare or something, okay? You know, just, I call him Bill, he's a friend of mine. No, we're close. Uh, it can be, th- I'm old, that's right. There are, th- you can write three words on there, I'm thinking of you. That was four words, but. Look, you're going you're to get yeah. some action that night, dude. Wake hide those, up. Hide those, write little different notes like that and stick them around the house. We had a, we had a couple, it was a military couple, and they have since been deployed, or he's been moved to a different base. But when he was going to be deployed for a year, he took that whole stack and wrote little notes like that and hit them all over the house. And she found them nine months later. She was saying, I found one today in the crock pot. Because I hadn't pulled the crock pot out in nine months. Listen, when he you know? got back, when he got back, he was at church that first Sunday, but he was tired for like two weeks. He wasn't even able to come to church. Yeah, had a little walker. We're for sex in this church. We're for it. With our spouses. It's God's idea. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Some guy in the back was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some single guy. He's not guy. even married. I know, love yeah. this church, man. So, yeah, married, man and woman, married. You've got to be real specific these days. We're for it. It was God's idea. Since we're talking about, let's talk about fornication. Yeah. Okay? Let's talk about, what is fornication? Fornication is when you are not married, but you're having sex with somebody. You say, so that gets all into the topic of uh, cohabitation. I can tell you're excited. (laughs) Because the world says the way you get ready for marriage is you test drive the car, just like you would do before you buy a car. You want to test drive it, take it home. Don't you you love that, ladies, being called a car? Yeah. Kick the tires, you know. What is that? I don't know what that part would symbolize, but <laughs> kicking. The but uh, I just got to tell you guys, you can't you can't living together without being married is a sin. Now let me just cover all the excuses I've heard. Financially, it, we just have to. Oh, so it's just finances. Yes, it's just finances. So you sleep at one end of the house and he sleeps at the other end because it's just finances. Well. Oh, so you, it's just finances and also so you can get jiggy with it. You want both, but you want me to think that it's all, listen, I was born at night, but I wasn't born last night. Two men and women who love each other romantically are just going to stay in the same house and they're going to be, first of all, yeah, right. Secondly, let's say it's true. Let's say it's true. Let's say it's true that you're living together, one of you in one end of the house, the other one in the other end of the house. It's hilarious, isn't it? But let's say it's true. Then, then you say, but, and so we come to the bridge and we're Christians and we're serving, but we live together, but we don't touch each other in that way and we don't have sex and blah, 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 blah. Then you don't care about your testimony if you're sleeping, if you're staying in the same house. Because people ride by your house and they see your two cars sitting there in front of the house and they know you're not married. So your testimony, your story that we did a whole series on is out the window. Can I ask you something? How precious is your testimony to you? How precious is it to you? Or how precious is the soul of the person that's going to be one to Jesus by your testimony? Or the one that's going to say, if that's church, that's just like the world. I'm not going out there. Going Why would I go to the bridge? They, they live the same way the people who go to the bridge live the same way they do out here in the world. The guy I go to the nightclub with. So when they leave the bridge, they go home to the same house and live together. Just like the couple I saw at the nightclub, they leave and go home and live together. Guys, I, 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 I'm, I'm just... I'm just frustrated with this. 
It's fornication. It's wrong. Please don't come to me. And I've had people who I've talked to who, who wanted to serve and said they were Christians and wanted to serve in this church. And I had to confront them and say, listen, you, you can't do that. And man, just explode in anger and leave and put stuff on Facebook about how this is a judgmental church. Matter of fact, that's the most quoted verse in the Bible these days. Thou shalt not judge. Thou shalt not judge. Got to be tolerant. Got to be tolerant. Everybody, you know, uh, different ways for different folks. That is a tactic of the enemy to get the sinful culture of this world into the house of God because he knows if he can do it, God will take his hand and that church will sink. And not, and I'm not talking about numbers here. Because I know some of you are probably going, you do know, Pastor, we got that building back there. And you do know what it cost. And if you're going to preach like this, people might leave. People who make good money might leave. You know what I say about that? I love you. God bless you. I'm praying for you. I hope you see the truth one day. But you know what I believe? I believe a church that will preach the truth in love, God will take care of that church and meet the needs in that church. I believe that. Uh, So there's your fornication for you. Yeah, right, share. (laughs) A little uh, cohabitation thrown on the top there. Uh, Let's, um, in the time we have left, what do you think we'll talk about... um, same-sex marriage. Yeah, let's end it with that. Because what right? what's the culture? Right? Everybody what's, okay? Yeah, what, what's right? the culture saying about same-sex marriage? What, what's the message out what's there? What's the message that you hear? That it's, it's love. okay. They That's love okay. each yeah, other, they man. They love each other. Let's they put that, love each other. Let's put that question up there that we had, if you can. How can we explain that marriage between same-sex couples is wrong? The world tells us that they should be allowed to be married because they love each other. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? One thing that's wrong with it is that all love isn't godly. And sometimes we call stuff love that isn't love. It's lust. It's uh, I just want what my flesh wants. And we say that's love. Um, mm. I, I know I know what you're hearing out there, and I know what you're about to hear from me is two different things. First of all, first of all, I want to tell you that we love homosexuals. We love homosexuals, and we, listen to this, I'm going to say something that most churches won't say. We welcome you here. We welcome you here. You can belong. We want you to be here. We, we will love you, and we will try to help you, but we're not going to affirm your lifestyle we're going to try to get you the help you need and and the power of the cross the power of the risen Jesus is able to deliver you and set you free from that bondage so if we're going to we don't even really have to talk about same-sex marriage guys as a matter of fact the Bible doesn't even talk about same-sex marriage the Bible just says homosexuality is a is a sin against God And so if homosexuality is a sin against God, then we don't even have to talk about same-sex marriage. Same-sex marriage isn't the issue. The issue is homosexuality. But listen to me. We're we're, We're not a church that is angry or bitter or filled with venom against them. And we're going to walk around with signs that say God hates. And you know the word they use, these churches. What's that? Westboro Baptist Church. We're not Mm -hmm. that. We want to help you. But look, I want to help those of you who are liars quit being liars. I want to help those of you. I want to help those of you that gossip to quit gossiping. I want to help those of you that take drugs uh, and because they're prescribed by the doctor, you think it's okay and you're addicted to them and you're getting them from about two or three different doctors and you say, but they're prescription. You're a drug addict. You're a drug addict. And I want to help you not be a drug addict. 
I want to help you not be a liar. I want to help you not be a gossip. I want to help you if you're battling homosexuality. We want to help you break that. Uh, we, Scott talks about that, uh, uh, and, and I'm going to let him talk in just a minute. Let me gear down here. But, but Scott's going to talk about, you know, we have proclivities in our life. Your battle may be in one area. Your battle may be in another. I know people who are just prone to lie. I mean, lying is their thing. I know people who lie, and they don't even need to lie. They just lie because that is their proclivity. They just have a, a, a bent toward lying, and they need freedom. They need to be set free. And, and, and the cross of Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ and his resurrection from the grave provided for us healing, spiritual healing. By his wounds, we are healed. And that wasn't just the body. I'm done. You say you might... You didn't say in closing, though. But uh, no, I don't want that. I don't want that. Uh, you say, well, you know, um, being against all those sins, homosexuality and lying and adultery and fornication, all those things, that's really intolerant. Yeah. Yeah, it is. That word gets thrown around a lot now in the culture. Guess what culture gets thrown around, uh, thrown around a lot in, too? The church. But not this church. Not this church. We are, Jesus was not tolerant. Love does not equal tolerance. Love does not. If you, if you have this innate, overwhelming desire to play in traffic, if you're my child, and I let you go play in traffic, am I loving you? I'm tolerating your behavior. You're being controlling. I'm tolerating the behavior. I'm you're, being controlling. You're, you're yeah. being controlling of that child, and you need to back off and let that child be who he is. For about 35 seconds because until a log truck flattens Because him. if you just let him, you know, you just don't restrict him because you don't want to be that kind of parent who is restrictive. You want to let them be free. So if they want to go out in the middle of Highway 70 and play kickball, who are you? If, if I don't let them do that, they won't be my friend. Guess what, parents? You're their parents. What? what listen, people. Here, here's what the 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 gay the gay movement, uh, the same-sex marriage movement, say about us. And here's what they'd say about us right here today: is that we're 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 hateful, we're mean. I'm not hateful and mean. I love them. I want to help them. But I'm not going to tolerate their lifestyle and say that the Bible doesn't address it or take the scriptures where the Bible addresses it explicitly and twist it so I can make my message fit this culture and make everybody like me. Listen, who's mean? Listen, who's mean? Is the mean parent the one that goes, who am I to tell my child he can't play in the middle of Highway 70? Or the, or the parent who goes, if you don't get out of that road, I'm about to snatch a knot in you. How many of you from the South, you know what snatch a knot in you? Let me tell you something. That mother who's about to snatch a knot in that child, that's the loving mother. The loving mother, the loving father's not the one who goes, well, let's just let them play out there. I mean, that's what they want to do. These trucks and big cars will have to find somewhere else to ride. My little boy wants to play out in the highway. Give me a break. So we're going to look at those people who are struggling with homosexuality and we're going to say there's freedom for you. There's deliverance for you. There is a power of God that is available to you to set you free from this so you can be right with God and be in union with God. That's the loving thing to do. But what about the people who say they're born that way? Ooh. Look, we are a, a church that wants to equip you. Right? I mean, I think we've done that in the past where, where, see, we aren't the only ones that are called to speak the truth. Standing up here in front of you. You are the church. The church is not this building. The church is not the pastors. The church is not Farrell Hardison. The church is you. You. And so when you go out into that world that Pastor Farrell talked about a little while ago and the culture comes against you on every single turn, we want you to be equipped. So just really briefly, I want to talk about one of the main things that you hear, one of the main arguments that you hear is that somebody that's homosexual was born that way, was born that way. I, I want to tell you, 
that might be true. That might be true, that that person was born with a proclivity towards homosexuality. You know what? I was born with a proclivity to drink all the alcohol I can drink in one sitting and then pass out. And I was born with a proclivity to lust after beautiful women. But does that mean that I have to live that way? Does it mean that I should live that way? There's a life that's different for me, available through the cross. That person may be born with that proclivity, with that temptation, with that fallenness, with that bent because of the fall. Because we live in a, and we're born into a fallen world. But that does not mean that that person has to choose to live in that sin. You can get up out of the pigsty. I've been there. I've been in it. The food was not good. It's a bad place to be, but Jesus will live, lift you out of that sty. And if you are struggling with homosexuality in your life, and, and you want to be set free of that, we will meet with you privately, or you can come right down here to the cross and get on your face before a holy God that went to the hill in Calvary and died on the cross for you, and we will get right down next to you on our faces and weep with you for healing because, of that sin. Because our sin may not have been homosexuality, but I had a sin I had to be delivered from. How, tell me this. People, people, uh, two people do drugs. Two people experiment with drugs. One goes... Eh, I just don't want to do it anymore. The other one gets locked in. The other one gets, because there's a proclivity. There is a, there is a, that is their battle. That is their war. And maybe your battle is that. But like Scott said, you don't have to live in it. You don't have to live that way. You can be free from it. And we have had people come to us uh, this, this weekend and say, I need help. I need help. I want to be free. Look, they came to us and said, I'm not, I'm not free. It is a temptation in my life. And here's what a lot of them, uh, a lot of people who practice that lifestyle say, I'm not, I don't have a problem. I'm not, I'm, I need, I don't need freedom. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And when you get real with yourself and when you get honest with yourself, you know that you need help and you want to be free from that lifestyle because it's not pleasing to God. And the word of God is clear about that. So we don't even have to talk about same-sex marriage. You know where we stand on same-sex marriage because of where we stand on homosexuality and what the Bible says. But don't go out of here misunderstanding. We love you. We want to help you. We do not reject you. This church is not a club for everybody that's got it together. This is a hospital for broken people. And we welcome you. And your brokenness may not be... Your brokenness may not be homosexuality, but we all, listen to me, if you take your eyes off Jesus Christ, if you take your eyes off Jesus Christ, if you refuse him for one day and refuse his word for one day, you're going to drift away from God. I don't know, it may not be in the area of homosexuality, but it'll be in some other area. Greed. Let me tell you something. Financial greed is just as big a sin as homosexuality is. And so, so you might not be able to, to obey God in, in the area of what he's blessed you with because you are, are practicing the sin of greed. God wants you free from that. So it's not that we put one sin out there above another, but because this is on the forefront in our society, in our, in our very community, and in our state as we go to the polls on Tuesday, we wanted to just tell you that our position on this has nothing to do with our opinion. Our position on this is the Word of God. The Bible is the plumb line. The Word of God is the plumb line. And, and, and what we do in this church, and then I'm going to pray, but what we do is we hold the Bible up next to the life we're living. And you don't bend the Bible to fit your life. You bend your life to fit the Bible. You say, well, I don't like that. I don't like that. Well, of course you don't. It's not your nature to like that. But you do, you do enjoy union with God. And you do enjoy intimacy with God. And you do enjoy uh, um, a healthy, vibrant relationship with God. And if you want that and you enjoy that, then you're going to look at those things in your life that try to pull you away. 
and you're going you're gonna to go to God in prayer, you're going to seek counsel, you're going to seek connection with other people in the church, and you're going you're gonna to pray and, and say, God, I want you to just get that out of my life so I can serve you and have that healthy relationship I want to have. You're going to fight the battle. If you go with the flow, the flow's going the wrong way. The flow is going the wrong way. So we're going to pray, and uh, we're just going to open this altar up. Let me just go ahead and say to our guests, guys, those of you who are visiting with us, welcome. <laughs> welcome. Aren't you glad you came today? Aren't you glad you came today? There's one yeah, thing about it. Yeah. One thing about it, you have no question as to where we stand not just on these issues, but I hope what you've seen today is how we feel about the Bible, how we feel about the Word of God. The Word of God is the standard. The Scriptures are the standard. You say, well, Pastor, now, uh, you, you've broken the Scriptures before you. Well, yeah, absolutely. Who hasn't? We all have. Uh, but, but that's how we are corrected. That's where, how we are brought back in line. That's how we are brought into freedom. Uh, let me just use this illustration, then I promise I'll pray. Somebody said a train, um, the illustration of a person going, well, I don't want to be bound by the Word of God. The Word of God hems me in. The Word of God binds me up. I want to be free. I want to be free. That's like a train saying, I'm tired of being on these tracks. I'm tired of being on these tracks. I want to go where I want to go. I don't want to just go where the tracks are going. I want to go where I want to go. Let me ask you what, happened, what happens if a train did have a mind and a will and could do what it wanted to. What would happen the minute that train got off the tracks? Wouldn't go anywhere. Would have no freedom. The only way that train has freedom is if it stays on those tracks and our track is the word of God. You do not have freedom if you are not, if your life is not based in the scriptures. And the Holy Spirit is just like a referee in a basketball game. You say, well, how will I know if I get off track? He will blow the whistle on you. Won't he? I love it that he blows the whistle on me. Matter of fact, I tell you, when I'm around Scott, I hear him blowing the whistle on Scott all the time. <laughs> um, so we just pray, Father. <clears throat> we want to be a church that is not following a denomination. We want to be a church that is not following uh, a man. We want to be a church that is not built around a personality or some man-made system. We're not a perfect church. The bridge is not a perfect church. We want to be a church, though, that looks into your word and finds out what we're supposed to be based on the teachings of your infallible and errant word. And we don't always do it, God, and we don't always get it right. And I've preached things before that I thought I had an understanding, and then I realized that was not rightly dividing. And I would come back and go, hey, guys, you remember I told you that? Well, let me, I dug deeper into that, and here's really what God's saying. We, we've got to stay on the tracks. If we want to be free, we don't get off the tracks. We stay on the tracks. So, Father, be with us as we depart our guest are gonna, they're going to go back there and after service is over and pick up their free gift at the Guest Welcome Center. And then we got people here who they probably got a lot of questions, especially after today. And some of them are deciding if they're going to keep serving, uh, moving toward God, or they're just trying to decide what they're going to do with this whole God, Jesus, Bible, church thing. And we've got a little packet for them to take home over there on the little table that says, Got Jesus? So I hope they'll pick that up. It'll answer a lot of their questions. Father, help us. Help me. Because I'm, you know, God, I'm senior pastor. I, I won't always be, but I am right now. And God, I pray for courage. I pray you give me courage, God. Especially in these last days. In the environment that we're in, in our culture, I need courage. I pray for these young preachers coming up. Lord, help them. Lord, help them. They are going to fight a battle. If you don't return soon, they are going to fight a battle with culture. 
that I never fought. As a matter of fact, I told my wife this week as I was preparing for this message, I said, honey, I predict a day will come that because of the stand we take at the bridge, protesters will be waiting for us when we get to church. I believe that day is coming when those who refuse the Word of God and refuse the truth of the Word of God are going to get bolder and bolder and bolder. And that is why we, as the people of God, have to get bolder and bolder and bolder in love. In love. Not in screaming and yelling and condemning, but in love. Be bold and hold the banner high and not be ashamed in these last days. To your name be all glory and praise and honor forever and ever. And the people of God said...